Well, good morning. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13, please. Genesis chapter 13. And we'll, uh, we'll begin reading in verse, um, in verse 1. Genesis chapter 13. Then Abram went up from Egypt, and he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he went on his journey um, from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram and his flocks and herds and tents. Now the Lord was not uh, able to, the land, sorry, the land was not able to support them, and they, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. It is not the, is not the whole land before you? Please, separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered, everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go uh, toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot in the cities of the plains, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from, Lift up your eyes now and look for the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants, descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Let's look to the Lord one more time. Dearly Father, we just want to thank you once again for the opportunity we had to remember your son. Father, that holy one who knew no sin, um, but Father, he became sin for us. Father, as he hung on that cross, and as he shed that precious blood for the sins of the world, Father, we are so thankful for him. Lord, as we open your word this morning, we just pray that um, you would uh, give me clarity of thought and of speech. Father, that your spirit uh, would move uh, through this meeting and through your word and touch our hearts. We pray this in your son's worthy and precious name. Amen. Uh, this morning, I'd like to dis, uh, consider the topic of sanctification. 
Uh, sanctification is a $10 word um, that I was very scared of when I was younger, um, and I spent um, years on it. Uh, Mark was my Sunday school teacher growing up in high school, and I, it, it was a long time we spent on sanctification, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, even today, I, 10 years later, I still don't think I have um, uh, even a, a portion of what it really means, but that's what we're going to be talking about this, uh, this morning. Um, there's a couple different types of sanctification in the Bible. Um, the, the word sanctification or to sanctify simply means to set apart or to separate. Um, and, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, the Bible talks about um, sanctification as um, our relationship um, with God um, when uh, men and women enter by faith into the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are then sanctified um, from the world. Um, the, the one I'd like to focus on this morning is, is practical sanctification or practical holiness. And this is um, being separated from evil things and evil ways. Um, uh, the, the sanctification is God's will for the believer. In 1 Thessalonians 4.3 it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And uh, so this morning as we consider Lot, uh, we are going to be um, uh, talking about that. Now in the life of Lot, we see a progression uh, we see him walking with the Lord, uh, with his uncle Abram, and um, uh, a good example uh, Abram was. Uh, he, he walked by faith um, and not by sight, and um, this, is, uh, this, is, this was Lot's example. And as Lot left and followed his uh, uncle, he, he, was, uh, he started off on a, in a good path. Um, but in chapter 13, we have a turning point in Lot's life. And in uh, chapter 13, verse 10, it says, Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord. Um, reminds us of the Garden of Eden. Um, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Um, and then it says in, at the end of verse 12, it says, um, Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Um, Lot lifted up his eyes and, put, and set his face towards Sodom, um, similar to Eve in the garden. As she lifted up her eyes, in Genesis 3.6 it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband, and he ate her eyes, her eyes, she lifted up her eyes. And it got me thinking this week of what we set before our eyes. Um, what do we look at? And uh, it took me a little bit, and I was uh, Googling some stuff and Googling some statistics for media usage. Now, media ranges from the internet to TV, um, music, or the radio, and then all the way down to um, the old school newspaper and magazines. Um, and in 2013, I pulled some averages, and they're, they're, they're actually kind of scary. Um, and for those of us that aren't math majors, an average uh, means that there's some that use more, and then there's some that use less, and then we pick the middle. So scarily enough, there's people that actually use more than this. <clears throat> um, these, these, uh, these 
these aren't set in stone, but for internet usage, and this is via smartphone, iPad, um, the computer, the average person uses the internet about five hours per day. Um, this includes social media, uh, the, this new Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and it says the average um, social media user logs on four times a day. Um, just think if we shifted that and we prayed or read our Bible four times a day, how much, how much of a difference that would be. And that's just the internet, so we have five hours there. TV usage, um, this one was a big one for me growing up. TV usage is, is an average of 4.5 hours per day. So we're at nine and a half hours so far. Um, it says the average person will watch over 1,600 commercials each year. Think about the commercials that we see on television and how many of those are dishonoring to the Lord. How many of those just flash before our eyes, not by choice because we're watching a, we could be watching a wholesome program, but constant media in our eyes. Um, other media, radio, newspaper, magazines is, is approximately two hours per day, uh, making the total 11.5 hours per day. And that's with an average about an eight hours sleeping schedule. Um, I don't know when we get work done and when we get our schoolwork done, um, but that's a scary statistic. Uh, we were considering uh, this last week in Bible, Bible study on Monday night just the different tactics that Satan uses in different countries. Um, in third world countries where TV and internet and media isn't really readily accessible, you see a rise of um, uh, demonism and, and spirits. Um, but why don't we see that here in the United States? Well, because we, um, and, and myself included, will sit down in front of the TV or in front of the internet, and, and Satan is allowed free access into our house by turning on the TV. And we just sit there and we watch it. I've shared this before, and I think it's, it, it bears um, uh, being repeated. And it's, it's something that's actually really changed my life. And it's a, it's a devotion by Bill McDonald uh, in his One Day at a Time book and it's October 4th. And I'll just read uh, some ex 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 portions of it. Um, it says, uh, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Psalm 119, verse 37. The first and last words of this short prayer begin with the letters T, V. And the verse is especially appropriate when applied to television. Most of the programs on TV are vanity. They picture a world that does not exist and a life that is far removed from reality. Television is a robber of special time, of precious time. Watchers squander hours that can never be retrieved. Generally speaking, TV has caused a decline in Bible reading, thus tuning out the voice of God and lowering the spiritual temperature of viewers without their realizing it. The humor that is served up on the tube is filthy and most of the rest of the script is filled with vile innuendos. The advertising is not only stupid, but morally destructive as well. It seems that nothing can be sold without a bevy of Hollywood harlots exposing vast portions of their anatomy and using body language to incite lust. In the area of music, the lyrics are highly objectionable. They glorify lust, treat adultery and homosexuality as valid lifestyles, and make a hero of the violent man. If it be objected that there are wholesome Christian programs on TV, 
The answer is that these are the only sugar coating on a po poison pill. The plain fact is that the overall effect of TV is destructive uh, of spiritual vitality. No one who sits glued to the TV television set will ever make history for God. It is one of the principal causes of spiritual decline in our day. Um, this was written by Bill McDonald in 1998, um, before the internet and Facebook and all these other things. Um, what are we spending our time in? What do we put before our eyes? Um, Lot, as he was given the choice by Abram and by God, he chose what looked better, uh, a bustling city. And, and remember, he had a, uh, a large livestock. Um, he, that, that was his trade. He was a herdsman. And so uh, being near a, a nice big city would have been, been good for him uh, financially. Um, so what Lot placed before his eyes started the process of backsliding. Um, notice that he didn't pray about or seek God's will before he makes the decision. He just jumps right into it and, and bases it on appearance. But compare Abram's reaction to Lot's. In verse 14, it says, And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look for the place where you are. Where you are. Um, here we have Abram waiting on the Lord. And, we, and Abram waits for the, for the Lord before he looks. Um, he is more blessed, or he's blessed more than Lot, even though Lot chose the better looking land. And why is that? Um, he waited and trusted on God. Uh, Psalms 34 8 um, says, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now it took me to a verse in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 24, which says, Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Um, Abraham had tremendous wisdom. He understood that this earth was not his home, that he was to live as a pilgrim here. Um, in Hebrews 11, verse 9 and 10, it says, By faith, Abram dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with, the same, with him of the same prophets. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker was God. Um, it's a quote or, or something that Joe McHale has often said and just resonates with me. It says, what God has for you is so much better than what the world has for you. Um, this, is com this is compared to Lot. Lot lifts up his eyes, and um, his eyes were on the ends of the earth. And uh, Lot was concerned more with the temporal things than with spiritual things, with, fo with following the Lord. Lot pitches his tent towards Sodom, and um, Abraham goes as Lot goes and pitches his tent towards Sodom, Abraham decides to go this way to the land of Canaan and builds an altar to the Lord. You just see the two comparisons there. Well, Lot continues his progression in backsliding. As we know, backsliding doesn't happen overnight. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a progression. Um, the, the example is given of when you, how to cook a frog. Um, you put a frog in a pot of room temperature water, or nice lukewarm water, and then you just slowly turn it up, turn the heat up, and the frog won't move until eventually it's cooked. Um, and um, th this, is, this is Lot's life. 
He slowly but surely walks farther away from the Lord. In chapter 14, we won't read it for the sake of time, but Cheddar Leomar and um, the king, title king of nations, and several other kings go to war against Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, five kings versus four in, in the plains there. And in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 10, we find uh, where Lot is at this point. It says, uh, now the valley of, of Sidon uh, was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and, remain, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So Lot was captured within Sodom. So we first see him, he's pitched his tent, he's in the suburbs of Sodom, and now he's actually in the city. And it just got me thinking of where do we dwell? Where do we live? Where do we spend our time? Um, in Psalm 27, 4, it says, One thing, and this is David, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Again, we see Lot um, with his eyes and, and just the desire of this world um, and becoming more rich, perhaps like his, his uncle Abraham. Um, it says he dwelt, or he was living in. And the word dwelt means to actually sit down and remain. You're going to be there for a while. Um, Lot moved from the plains of the city and chose to dwell in Sodom. We'll turn with me to Genesis 19. The progression continues. <clears throat> Genesis 19 and verse 1. Um, at this point, uh, the Lord visits, it, visits Abram, tells him that um, he's going to come to destroy Sodom because of how wicked it is, Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, Abram intercedes for Sodom, we read in, in the previous chapters. And in verse, uh, chapter 19 and verse 1, we find out where, so where uh, Lot is at this point. It says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when he saw them, he arose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. Locke worked his way up through the city council. Um, he's from the suburbs into the city, and now he's sitting in the gates of Sodom. Um, in, in ancient times, in biblical times, if the, all the decisions for the city, um, the, the judge duties of the day, um, would dwell in the city gates. If you had a problem or if you had some political discussion that needed to be taken care of, that would happen within the city gates. And this is where we find Lot. So he's worked his way up through the city. Um, how did he do this? How did he get to this position? Well, he had to associate with these men and women. And it, and it got me to thinking, too, of whom do we associate? Lot was right in the mix. He was right in the middle of it. Um, and why, why, is this a, why is this so wrong? We might think that it, it would have been a good thing to have somebody who's you know, a God-fearing man within the, the political realm of Sodom, and maybe hopefully he can change the tides or, or what have you. Um, it, uh, and, and we do see throughout Scripture that God does place men in these positions, thinking of Joseph, of Daniel, uh, of King David, um, uh, mighty men used by God, but they were placed there by God. 
Well, in Genesis 13, 13, we have the, the answer to this, to this question, why is it so wrong? And it says that, um, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. These are the men that, that Lot is spending a majority of his time with, trading with, discussing things with. And God's message hasn't changed. It hasn't changed from this day to today. It's still the same. In 1 John 2, in verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. to destroy it. So Lot has this, and, and it just got me thinking of what if I found out that tomorrow the world was going to be over? It, that's it. The Lord's coming back, and, and this is it. This is our last day. We have 24 hours. Well, what, what would my testimony be to those people that, I, I, that I'm warning? Well, we see Lot's testimony in verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters and said, get up out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. Pleading with them, he's pleading with them at this point. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Because of the way Lot lived, because of his, his actions, his decisions, what he valued more, um, his testimony um, was not, was nothing within the city. Um, he had this, this message given to him from God that the world is going to end, and nobody listened to him. They thought he was joking. Um, Lot's accomplishments in Sodom didn't matter the next day. It didn't matter that he was the, the top herdsman of the year, the, 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 you know, the best judge in the city gates, it, it, the, the nicest house within the city, None of that mattered the next day. And it got me thinking that the only thing that will last are the things that we do for God. Um, there's two things that last throughout all eternity, and we were reminded of that at the conference, and it's God's word and God's people. And these are the things we are to invest in. Um, the, the, this world is passing. Um, Lot's biggest desire was to be comfortable and this is a thought that I've had over the last several weeks. He, he decided to go to the well-watered plains. Um, he wanted to go to the big city to, to increase his livestock, to increase trade. Um, things that were desirable to the eyes. Things that this world say are good. And it got me to thinking, is this my biggest desire? Is this our biggest desire to be comfortable? Nice house, nice car, nice family, good retirement things that will go away. Was Abraham comfortable? Um, he was a pilgrim dwelling in a tent, um, arguably the richest man in the area, 
Um, I think he could have afforded to build a very nice house, a very nice palace, but he chose to dwell in a tent. Why? Well, as we were reminded earlier that he knew and he was waiting for a better city, a better city than what he could build, a better, a better house than he could build. Um, the, um, the, 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 the phrase, home is where the heart is. Um, Abram's heart was with God. His heart, his home was, at, was in heaven with the Lord. Um, and is it God's desire that we be comfortable in this world? And, I, and I, just looking throughout scripture, we have men and women throughout the Bible. And if you look at the examples, the men and women who did mighty things for the Lord weren't comfortable. Uh, Moses wasn't comfortable. Um, Elijah wasn't comfortable. Uh, the Apostle Paul, after he's converted, wasn't comfortable. And we have the ultimate example of our Lord Jesus, who um, didn't even have a place to lay his head, um, left the splendor of heaven, um, and came down and was uncomfortable here. Well, we're going to look at one example in, in, in the time we have left at, at a man who was un, wasn't comfortable. Please turn to Matthew chapter 3. A man who decided not to be comfortable. And as Mark reminded us this morning of John the Baptist and his ministry, uh, Mark chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair and, was a, and with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Um, as we reminded this morning, John's mission, John's message, um, and his, his goal in life was to prepare the way of the Lord. Um, to make his paths straight, um, to turn the eyes of the people back onto God. Um, and this was prophesied by Isaiah before he was even born. John lived and preached in the wilderness. Um, he, was, he was separated from the hustle and bustle of, of the, the surrounding towns, um, Jerusalem and things of that nature. Um, he, and he wasn't tempted by the things or distracted by the things that the town had to offer. Um, he was in the wilderness. There was nothing out there, just, just him and his God and his message. Um, now, this doesn't mean that we should follow this example, sell all that we have and move to the mountains and um, put on camel's hair and things like that. Um, but again, we, we need to compare ourselves to the men of the Old Testament. Um, many men that were used by God dwell or lived in the wilderness. Again, thinking of Elijah and Moses, they were separated from God, taken out of Egypt, taken away from the people. And at this point, God is able to speak to them and to use them. Um, he was clothed in camel's hair and a leather belt. Um, he definitely wasn't concerned with the latest fashion. Um, and, and, and different things attract different people. Um, to, to the women, it's, it's fashion, and to my wife, it's fashion. Um, you know, I like Bass Pro Shop, so, um, um, but he wasn't concerned uh, with, with fashion and things of that nature, things that distracted him, and interestingly enough, 
We have a, um, this is the same outfit that God provided for Adam and Eve after they sinned, camel skin or, or animal skin. He ate locusts and wild honey. Um, very good diet. Um, didn't, didn't eat fancy food. Um, back in those days, uh, food preparation took a very long time. Uh, no microwaves, no stores, everything had to be made and prepared by hand. And so this would have taken up a lot of time. Also, this would have taken a lot of money. Um, two things that John didn't have a lot of time. He didn't have a lot of money. Um, and uh, he, uh, he ate and wore what God provided for him. And he lived by faith. Um, Rex Trogden uh, once told a brother that um, he was living hand to mouth. And, and the brother was just like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, let me know if I can do anything. And, and well, he says, let me correct you. It, it's God's hand in my mouth, so I'm, I'm okay. Um, and and this, is, this is what John did. John, John lived off the land and, and lived in the wilderness. And, and again, coming back to the thought, do you think John was comfortable? Was it comfortable to live out there? Would, have been, would it have been more comfortable to live in the city? And arguably, a, a better, you know, there's more people there. You know, you can get the message out quicker. Um, he lived a separated life, a sanctified life. Well, what about his message? Um, is it comfortable to preach the gospel? Um, especially in the open air. Um, here in this nice room, uh, air-conditioned, with a bunch of people that um, have Bibles, and yeah, it's, it's, it's not that hard. Um, but preaching out in the open air, um, talk to Russ, you know, um, you put yourself out there. You put yourself in front of a crowd, perhaps that are angry at you for no reason. Um, uncomfortable. What was the result of John's separated or uncomfortable life? Look at uh, Matthew chapter 3 and verses 5. It says, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Um, the result of his message and his ministry was people repented, um, they were baptized, and they confessed sin. Um, notice that they came to him in the wilderness. Um, he didn't need to go to them. He didn't need to go to the city. They came to him. Um, they heard of a man in the wilderness wearing camel skin and preaching the gospel, and they were interested. This intrigued them. Um, and as we live a, a sanctified life or a set-apart life, um, and, and, and people will see the difference. It'll be tangible. Um, does this mean that um, we don't have to say anything, that we just live our lives and hopefully somebody will ask us um, a question um, about our salvation? And, and some preach, and I like the, I like the quote, but I think it's, it's, there's some, it needs to be changed a little bit. But it says, some say, preach always, and if you have to, use words. And I, I understand that. You know, we were to live an example, to be an example, and I think John was. Um, but we have to use words. Um, in, in Romans 10, in verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how, how shall they hear without a preacher. So as we compare John's testimony to Lot's, um, Lot wasn't even able to reach his own family. His own brother-in-law and, and daughters didn't believe him, didn't trust him. Um, 
Now, granted, it was their choice. He, he gave them the message, and they decided to stay. But perhaps if Lot would have lived a separated life, a sanctified life, his message would have carried more weight. Um, they would have saw his example and wanted to follow it, but they didn't. In 2 Corinthians chapter 16, verse, or chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? For what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, and this is the verse I'd like to focus on, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Um, separation, a separated life, separated walk, not walking according to this world. Um, we have uh, great examples, even in our day, in church history, of men who lived separated lives. Um, I encourage you, if you have time, um, in your free time, perhaps, instead of watching that show or TV show, um, reading a, a good Christian biography. Uh, men like C.T. Studd, who was a world-famous cricketer and um, wealthy family. I mean, he had the world at his fingertips. He could have done whatever he wanted to. And he, got, he gave it all up. And he sold everything he had and went and was a missionary in China. And then from China went to Africa and um, they said that he would sleep on basically what was like a yoga mat, just a couple strips of you know, bamboo rolled up. And um, he lived a very uncomfortable life, but did very um, mighty things for the Lord. Um, George Mueller was groomed to be a well-paid minister in the, in, in the area, um, and he gave that all up. He gave it all up. And he, he also came from a wealthy family, and he ran orphanages and lived by faith. And the, the one that recently, and, and we enjoyed um, some stories here a couple years ago when Jim McCarthy came down was uh, Bill McDonald, um, a man that we all knew and love. And he went to Harvard, um, top of his class, was on his way to be a, a banker in a, big, um, in a big bank, I believe it was in Chicago, I think. And um, uh, he gave it all up too to preach the word. And he lived in a small, simple apartment. Um, it, even into his old age, if you went to visit Bill up in his 80s, um, he would sleep on the couch and you would sleep in his bed. Just a humble man, one who gave up everything for the Lord. Um, now, how do we sanctify ourselves practically? Um, by obeying the word of God. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Um, this is how we are to sanctify ourselves, set ourselves apart. Psalms 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Um, spending time with the Lord every single day. Um, before, before you wake up, before you turn on the TV, before you log on on the internet, spending time with the Lord in his word and in prayer. Following Jesus Christ, number two. Um, John 13, 15 says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And we are to follow the footsteps of our Lord Jesus. 
We are to um, walk as he walked and talk as he talked and live a separated life as he lived a separated life. And last, um, the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 13, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you uh, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Um, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we do this. Um, we can have every intention, and when we wake up in the morning, I'm going to live a separated life, I'm going to do it for the Lord, and if we do it in our own strength, we will fall on our face every single time. And we will walk and, and bring ourselves back at the end of the day just defeated. Um, but if we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, if we live um, and, and, and give him unhindered access to our lives, allow him to move through us and to live for us. Um, Ephesians 3.14 3, says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. It's through this power that we have um, the ability to do this. Once we begin to live this separated, sanctified life to God, what, what should our purpose be? What should our goals be? What, what, what do we do after that? What should we be living for? And again, we look back at John's example. Um, we are to lift up and glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in verse 11 of that same chapter, um, as we read this morning, it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And this, is, this was John's ministry. He pointed people towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And this should be our ministry too. Um, John fell. John was not perfect, um, but he knew that there was coming one that was perfect. Um, we are to proclaim the gospel. Um, it, this is done by John throughout his entire life. In fact, he even died doing so. And in uh, verse 2, it says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Proclaiming the gospel, pointing others to the Lord Jesus Christ, and finally, investing in the people of God and pointing them to him. Um, loving each other, pointing each other towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, if we look to a man or to a woman as our example, they will fall, and then we will fall. But we are to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the perfect example. And um, may we follow these, um, this example and separate ourselves from the world um, to be used by God. Um, and he, it, it, the Bible says that he desires to be co-laborers with us. He wants to use us. Now, um, I'm going to close in prayer, and we're actually going to do something a little unorthodox. Um, we're going to watch a short little video, um, as, and, and it's about um, who, who do we follow, um, the, the story of a hymn. Um, so let's just close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you again for this time that we have to open your word. Father, we thank you for the examples that we have um, these men and women of the Bible who, who lived a separated life, who sanctified themselves from the world and were used in a mighty way by you. Um, Father, may we always consider what we put before our eyes. May we look to you and to your son and spend more time with him and less time with the world. Um, 
Father, we just pray that we would follow in his footsteps. Father, that we would be um, imitators of Christ. Um, Father, he is altogether lovely. Um, We pray um, as we uh, go from here that we would be changed, um, that we would not be the same. Um, Father, we also just uh, would ask your blessing on this time next door, on the time uh, to celebrate uh, Grandma Fran's birthday. We thank you for the food. Um, Father, we thank you um, for her life, um, for what she means to us. We thank you that um, she is born again. And Father, that she um, has decided to follow Jesus. Lord, we just ask these things in your son's worthy and precious name. Amen.